you've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. Trading in the financial markets involves a risk of loss. Podcast episodes and other content produced by Chat with Traders are for informational or educational purposes only and do not constitute trading or investment recommendations or advice. So let's ask the question. Let's let's turn this back around. If we said to most newer traders, if we said, okay, for you to enter into the trading world, it's going to cost you twenty-five to thirty thousand, and it's going to take two to three years of your life minimum. How many would then follow through? I'm guaranteeing ninety percent would probably pull out. Markets, speculation, and risk. This is the Chat with Traders podcast. We're in episode 266. Welcome to Chat with Traders. I'm Tessa, your co-host. I'd like to introduce our next guest. You heard him earlier. That awesome Aussie accent belongs to Mark Bunnell an engineer at the core switching to full-time trading for the last 15 years, breaks down what it means to treat trading as a business. We hear that all the time, but what does that mean really? And why this mindset was incredibly important in turning his trading around and why it has kept him in the game for this long. Mark's mainly a discretionary swing trader and scalper of the Australian equities and forex markets. He's presented for the Australian Technical Analyst Association and appeared in the Trader's Edge magazine in Australia and has a lot to share with us today. I don't think you want to miss this, guys. By the way, I'm filling in for our host, Ian Cox, today. Ian's trying to squeeze in some more mountain biking as the summer weather is running away from Seattle. So I said, hey, I got this. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so pleased to present Mark Bunnell, all the way from Australia. Hi, Mark. Welcome to Chat with Traders. Hi there, Tessa. Thank you. And uh, nice to be here. Where did you grow up and where are you now? So I grew up in Melbourne, Australia. I've been here all my life. I, I enjoyed here. I love it here. Uh, have a background in engineering, started right from the drawing board 
through to technical sales engineer, project manager, and then finally worked my way up to general manager. So I I love that career. I enjoyed that. I miss that at times. However, um, I've now been trading the markets full time for 15 years. So yes, then traded traded for three years part time while I was a general manager. Um, did did quite well there with some early Elliott Wave knowledge, Elliott Wave theory, and that completely resonated with me. So I thought I had uh, found a bit of the holy grail, and um, so I applied that. In my third year part time, I returned about sixty percent on my trading account. So naturally, I was thinking, you know. Why isn't everybody doing this? Uh, of which I was to find out very soon. Um, so that kind of set me up for um, a, not a fall, I wouldn't say, but that gave me a false sense of what trading was about because I don't know whether listeners are aware, but here in Australia, we very big, we're very resource dominant, and we had a very big uh, bull market in resources. So. You could have taken a handful of darts and thrown them at a handful of stocks and made money. So, look, I like to think there was a bit of technical skill in there as well, but really, um, you know, it was a a product of the yeah the good market conditions, the bull market as well. So, so that was my early sort of foray into trading part time. My father got me into part uh, into part time trading as another source of of income and a source of wealth. And so, look, from that time on, I thoroughly enjoyed it, Um, bought a couple of decent programs and started my sort of trading career from there. Uh, But unfortunately, um, well, not unfortunately, I suppose, but my wife at the time and I left our jobs, this is 15 years ago, for a change of career, Uh, and I thought I would try trading full-time. And right at that moment in time, or round about that moment in time, was when the GFC hit. So that was when I realised what I didn't know about trading. So I took a, a decent hit. Um, it completely caught me off guard, blindsided me. Um, you know, prior to that, I was able to take losses and things, and uh, you know, follow my my plan. But you know, when we had such big periods like that I was just I just didn't know what to do I didn't know how to stay out so that was my early experience trading full-time what is the JFC so the global financial crisis of 2008 2009 oh I'm sorry okay so that's an acronym (laughs) it is yes so and most look I'm sure a lot of listeners would remember that um and look in one sense, though, it's probably good to have gone through it then, than when I had serious and big money in the in the in the uh, in the markets. It's good to have gone through that sort of situation early on and be able to work through it. So I see that as a plus. I see that as a positive. Um, so anyway, so I went about educating myself. I did uh, quite a bit of formal education. I have the CFTE qualification as certified financial technician. I uh, did the diploma of technical analysis here in Australia, as well as the uh, diploma of share trading and investment, um, as well as a a lot of other self-directed study and other short courses. Um, some good, some not so good, but I tried to take away from all of that what I could. So I really gave it a good shot. Plan B, I didn't even want to think about going back 
you know, going back sort of into the corporate sort of world, I didn't want to think about that. But I I committed myself to trading, oh gosh, you know, 12, 13 hours a day to study and learn you know, for three or four years, spent that, uh, did the, did the um, formal education. That was about two and a half years. I uh, got a lot out of that, gave me a huge, terrific foundational uh, knowledge base that I can fall back on. But then came the time, of course, to uh, start working on your psychology. So, um, Can I back up just a minute? What kind of engineering were you exactly? Was it mechanical, civil? So, yeah, mechanical, but the company that I was general manager was uh, more civil-based. Sort of worked my way up. And I mean, look, when I think my skills was more in managing staff and throughout working um those various roles, I was able to put together a lot of my own, create my own sort of procedures, my own um, those checklists, my own sort of checks and balances here and there. And, and that gave me a terrific um, grounding, I guess, you know, for that sort of role and, and for the, my role to come, which I didn't, uh, didn't see at the time. But I guess coming from that sort of mathematical engineering sort of background, we are wired a certain way. We're very detailed. We're very uh, analytical. You know, we love charts and statistics, that sort of thing. We love to um, we love to add more moving parts sometimes <laughs> to our detriment, of course. <clears throat> but that's one thing that we have to be sort of careful of. But um, certainly from the process side of side of it, yes, that's that's where it's really coming coming handy. So yeah, that what drove you to also get those certifications or diplomas that you mentioned related to trading? Great question. So when I went into the market and got hit, when I started trading full-time and the encountered the GFC, naturally I thought that this is a result of me not knowing enough. So then I thought, all right, um, me being me, I'll find out as much as I can and I'll beat, I'll beat this thing. I'll beat this market by getting as much knowledge as I can. Knowledge is power, so I thought. And yes, look, it certainly helped, but it's not enough. So that was my thinking at the time. Uh, I don't know enough. Of course, when you have that thinking, it's easy to be in search of the holy grail and to continue in that mode for quite a while. And I've got to catch myself the odd time. It's you know interesting because it's very different from the corporate world. When in the corporate world, that you were in, you can, you know, get uh, additional degrees and and get all these certifications related to your work, your, you know, your corporate day job. And that most likely will help you move up. But whereas in trading, it doesn't guarantee that at all. It's just a completely different mindset. What was it about the corporate world that just you knew it just was not for you that drove you? to trade instead. Okay. And look, yeah, great observation there. And you're absolutely correct. Look, in the out in the rest of the world, the corporate world, the more we know, generally the more we get paid. And that's not the case with trading. The markets don't care how much you know. It's how well you can apply that, of course. Does it help to give you edge? Absolutely, it does. But there is kind of a limit where the more you know someone can be actually detrimental. But um, because you can easily get into that sort of analysis paralysis situation. But certainly bigger picture, yes, absolutely. But once you know, as as I think it's Bruce Lee says, 
once you know that you've got to you've got to apply, you've still got to start to apply what you learn. Otherwise, it is just a whole heap of knowledge. It's no different to let's 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 give an analogy. It's no different to the um, the medical student that knows how to perform the operation in theory, but he's never done it. So uh, I think that's a great analogy. So you have to then start practicing, and that's when the real lessons come. And uh, and that is also that's obviously also uh, learning about yourself and starting to know yourself and work with yourself. That's the key to it. When did you make your first live trading, and what types? You know, what what were your strategies like in your early mm-hmm. trading? Certainly. So in my early trading part time, it was very much uh, swing trading, and being here in Australia, I swing trade swing traded our Australian stock market. Um, so that was my sort of style, anywhere from a two-day to two-month hold um, based off a monthly, weekly sort of daily charts, more weekly daily charts, um, something that I didn't need to monitor. I could just look at once a day, um, perhaps just, just keep my eye on it during the day, but, yeah, very much a swing swing style, very much based on Elliott Way, very much based on, um, you know, pullbacks or bases out of um, wave four and into sort of wave five. Did you swing trade because you were still working full time and that just kind of worked well with your schedule? I did, yes. Yeah, I couldn't monitor, I couldn't trade during the day and obviously um, I didn't didn't want to at that stage. Well, sorry, I might have wanted, <laughs> wanted to, but I couldn't. Um, so it really was just checking afterwards, running my scans and making decisions, so probably half, three quarters of an hour a day was uh, what I did, and a little bit, little bit more on the weekend just to do some reviews and that sort of thing, or and weekly scans. But no, it was very much, very much part time. Have you gone through some really rough periods during your trading, and that probably has something to do with you know losses or maybe um, just the time it takes to to understand trading. Can you share a little bit about that, you know, perhaps your darkest moments in trading and what was the pivotal moment in your trading career that led you to remain in it for 16 plus years now? I mean, you are obviously doing something right to still be in it for this long. Would you be willing to share a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So. During the learning curve is is the time where, and depending on individuals' personality, I'm very critical of myself. I'm very um, very driven. So when you're not getting success, of course, it leads to not necessarily feelings of failure, but feelings that you're not getting there as fast as you would like. So. I think so. What I did, I didn't. Uh, I'm not necessarily a person that gets depressed, but I think it's more. It gets you down a little bit, but it's what you then, what I then did with that. So I learned from that and tried to sort of come out of that um, being better for the experience because I allow that to sort of teach me. Okay, this is where I'm at, but. There was times where, certainly in the learning curve, I'd given myself that time and financial buffer, but and my wife at that stage, she'd taken time out as well to reinvent herself. So we were living off our savings. 
So that's always in the back of your mind. And of course, in the back of my mind was that, you know, trading with scared money. That was another thing as well that that can affect you and did, did affect me as well, even to the point where I thought, look, I need to just go and find a part-time job. Uh, and I did try and find, you know, part-time you know, part-time engineer assistant or any any sort of job just to take that pressure off. But it's hard to find those sort of roles. Um, so, no, I just, I, I pushed through. I took a little bit of time out. But I think sort of pressing into, with me pressing into work helped me get through it, helps me to uh, alleviate those sort of feelings of being down, uh, keeping healthy, uh, plenty of time in the gym, get those frustrations out. And as I said before, you'll always have those those blips in your uh, in your life. It's what you do with that and it's what I did with that. So I use those opportunities to sort of re- regroup, refresh and come out of it a little, you know, come out of it better for it. And in the back of my mind always though was, and thankfully with some of the edu- early education I did, and some of the people that I sort of listened to, I knew that I was in that, uh, I knew how long it was going to take. I was aware of it. You just don't know, first off, when you start, it's the old saying, we don't know what we what we don't know. Uh, but you know, I knew that it was something that I wanted to push through and I knew that it was something that I wanted to achieve. And there's an old saying where if you want something bad enough, our brain just figures ways to get around those obstacles and makes it happen. But a lot of journaling helped me through and the to know that when you look back on, when I look back on my journals to see where I'd come from certainly helped me to realise that, okay, I have come a fair way. I've got a huge knowledge base here and it's just now a matter of applying it as best I can and also finding out what sort of styles suited me. Uh, so yeah, look, I hope that's, I hope that's sort of answered in a, a bit of a roundabout way. Yeah. Um, so do you remember any kind of specific, um, aha moments that really turned your trading around? Was it maybe, um, a strategy that you developed that had an edge or, you know, you said you journaled a lot, so that might've helped you discover, uh, you know, what you were doing right, what you you were doing wrong. What was your aha moment? One of the aha moments was to now be thinking, to change my thinking to number one in terms of a business, which we'll get into in a moment, but more not to trust my first thought and to have plans and other things and and resources and routines to to protect myself against myself that was probably the biggest aha moment was now realizing this was earlier on realizing that I can't trust my initial thoughts and that we're not naturally hardwired to trade so beginning to rewire myself to be able to think like a trader and think in terms of a series of trades was one that certainly helped me to not take those small hits those small when I say small losses those individual losses those moments to keep them in perspective of the bigger picture where it's just one trade it's just one but that now starting to work on really work on myself really journal 
really work on myself, not trust those first thoughts, think about what I was thinking about as one removed, I guess, somebody thinking about what I'm thinking about. That was kind of probably the turning point where now I was able to start to work on myself. And that came early on once I started to apply my knowledge. At the end of the day, you realise what it is. You realise it's yourself making, you know, this wrong decisions, poor decisions, um, you know, impulsive decisions. And you either now work on yourself or you find something else. So this is when the real work begins. Yeah. So you brought up the topic of, um, you know, we as humans are not hardwired to trade. You know, this is a topic, actually, this is a topic that we're going to dive deeper into, which is treating trading as a business. And um, I want to start off with what kind of from my perspective, I think that the barriers of entry to trading um, is very low versus opening a, you know, traditional business. And my point is more that I think that there is more of a gambler's mindset for a lot of people going into trading since the barriers of entry is quite low for trading uh, versus someone who has, say, an entrepreneurial mindset and then going into like, um, you know, like a, a typical business. And therefore, I think it plays into the statistics, the alarming statistics that 20% of small businesses fail within the first year versus 70% of traders fail or give up within the first year, according to some sources. So what are your thoughts on that? So let's ask the question. Let's let's turn this back around. If we said to most newer traders, if we said, okay, for you to enter into the trading world, it's going to cost you twenty five to 30000 and it's going to take two to three years of your life minimum, how many would then follow through? I'm guaranteeing 90% would probably pull out. And look, I was the same. You don't realise what is involved in trading. And unfortunately, you hit the nail on the head. The cost of entry is very low. So we go into this profession ill-prepared um, for what's what's ahead. We're in the markets against you know, bigger funds, bigger central banks, you know, bigger, bigger, uh, bigger traders with, with, you know, huge accounts that can move the money. And we think we're going to go in there and start to nail it with, you know, three months experience, a couple of weekend courses and a 10 grand account. It's just not going to happen. So if you told traders what's actually involved, those that wanted to begin, I can guarantee, as I said, 90%, 80-90% would not follow through. And that's the trouble. We just don't know what's involved in getting getting skilled. And the analogy that I give, of course, is the, the engineer or the doctor. You're going to do, the medical student, you're going to do three to four years whether it's over a part-time period of six or seven, whatever it is, you're going to do your time. Another way I say it too is um, you're going to pay your tuition to the market one way or another. Either do it smart, educate yourself, do it properly, you know, hire a mentor, do it, do it, do it in sequence, or try your luck. Go in there, um, try your luck and do it ad hoc. And unfortunately, that's part of how I did it. Um, because I didn't have mentors, so there's the option. So I think if you present, if we presented that to most newer traders, I think yes, that would cut a lot out. Absolutely. 
And so, you know, we hear a lot about um, you know, on on chat with traders as well um, on the two hundred sixty plus episodes. Um, maybe about a dozen of those episodes or more mention the word or mention the phrase. You know, uh, one of the keys to their success is that they treat trading as a business, and we we hear that a lot, but. What does this actually mean? I don't think we've ever really um, took the time to really break this down. Uh, what what do we mean or what do they mean when they say they treat trading as a business? Do you have to have a business degree to do this? Or how? when do you start doing this? When you, when you first start getting into trading, um, what does it mean? So I hope that uh, maybe you can help um, break down what does it mean when we need to treat trading as a business. Yes, uh, absolutely. Great question. And if we said to as just to back up and, and reiterate what we said before, if we said to people, you need to be qualified, you need to have done your study before you're even allowed to place one trade, that would cut a lot more out again, wouldn't it? So look, one of the keys and, and those that are successful are treating trading as a business in some way, shape or form. Does it mean you have to have business skills does it mean you have to have an MBA no it's not and that's you can get into trading um, with no qualifications at all you can get into you know do you need to be exceptionally skilled um gifted to be successful at trading no it doesn't come down to that learning strategies and, and other techniques technical analysis is the easier side of it it's working with ourselves so in some way, shape, or form, you must be treating trading as a business. So let's consider those who treat trading as a hobby or those who treat trading as a as a true business. What does what does a hobby generally do? A hobby, yes, it brings us pleasure, but it also costs us money. So when people are treating trading as a hobby, they're really not treating as a as a something serious. It's more something that they enjoy, something that they like to do, win or lose. Maybe it's it's fulfilling that uh, desire to be using their time towards something that they think could be something down the track. But by not starting with the right mindset in terms of treating it as a as a serious business can actually be be quite detrimental because it never allows you to sort of work on the things you need to. So let's liken and let's have a think about other other business endeavors in other business endeavors and let's let's liken it. We'll, sort of come back to comparison with trading. But in, in any other business endeavor, if you were to put in 50, 100, 500,000, would we be using and would we be making the undisciplined, impulsive decisions that we make in trading? I doubt it. If you invested the time that you invest in, in trading into other businesses, we would take it more seriously. So when you can see those two those parallels i think you'll find if you invested in some other part-time business i can guarantee you would take it a lot more seriously so why is it then with it with trading that we are so undisciplined it's because you know we're not taking it seriously we're not treating it as a serious business let's say and also too you have to remember if we have a business that we've put a hundred thousand in we want to get a $500,000 bank loan to buy additional stock or whatever, um, and we approach the bank for a loan, we need to have 
a business plan. We need to have something to go to the bank for them to lend us money. Otherwise, they won't. So same thing with trading. If you wanted to trade with, you know, with a margin account, um, you should have to come up with a business plan. So when we liken it to other businesses, we can see that a lot of people don't take trading seriously. Now, let's consider that, let's consider trading. Um, and I consider that trading is a serious business. You know, we've got a serious financial commitment. We're, we're perhaps trading with the family's life savings. So we have a serious financial commitment. If we're putting in an hour a day and a couple of hours on the weekend towards our reviews and journaling, that's a serious time commitment. We're emotionally involved with our trading, so we have an emotional commitment as well. We're thinking out our trading. We're working on ourselves all the time. And often there's going to be sacrifice will be required to commit to your your trading. So trading is a serious business. Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the US markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. Let me back up. Why do you think, you know, people are not taking trading seriously yet when they're trading, um, you know, it's, it is it can have very serious consequences with losing a lot of money, but yet they're not taking it seriously from the beginning. Is it because of barriers of entry? Is that a factor also? It's so easy to get in. I think so. No, I think that makes us not take it seriously. If, As we said before, if we said, right, a minimum of a year and a half to two years learning and you need to, you need to come up with $25,000 deposit, let's say, just to be able to have the privilege of putting a trade on how many people would go through with it so if we made those entries you know those those barriers to entry um uh, stricter yes that that might make people take it a bit more seriously Mm -hmm. and then you mentioned something i thought was very interesting is um treating yourself like an employee Mm -hmm. of the trading business what does that mean? Absolutely, great question. So let's think once again. Let's fall back on our on our traditional business. Let's consider employees of a business. So an employee, you're employed by a business. You have to have responsible behaviour. You have to be accountable to somebody. There's going to be performance reviews, regardless of whether you're sales or management or or whatever. There's going to be performance reviews. When a new employee is hired, we give them a job specification so they know what to do. And a lot of times the individual is told, don't, don't, don't think, just follow the specification. 
So you can see we're given a set of instructions. And often the employee will be reprimanded for deviating from that specification and there could be possible termination for non-compliance. So that's in terms of a traditional business. Now, when we think of our trading business, well, who are the employees? We are that employee. Now, who are, who are we? Who are we accountable to? I think it should be if we said before, we if we're trading with the family's money, if we're trading with the family's life savings or part of, well, we're accountable to that family, aren't we? So when we sit down and do our performance reviews, maybe we should meet once a month, you know, with the family, and we need to give a review of our performance for the month to our family to justify why we should keep our job or should we maybe be getting a written warning or a verbal warning. Can you see how we're trying, this is all working towards trying to change our mindset to to being a bit more responsible for the finances. So if we were to think in terms of that, we're the employee of the trading business and look at maybe in a family name. We are that employee, so we need to be able to think like that employee. We need to be accountable to somebody, accountable to the family if you've got a or a significant other and you're trading with 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 money. I think when we can see it that way, that can help to sort of reframe and re to sort of change our thinking. Now, if you don't have a family to be accountable to, or you you can't talk to your family, and you don't have friends. Um, that get what you're doing, what do you suggest? Okay, so let's be accountable to our future. So where do I want to be in the future? So let's keep that big picture, that personal big picture in mind. And are we are we um, following our plan and our goal for our future? Are we keeping in line with that? If we're not and we're just being a bit... Um, haphazard in terms of our learning, our bit unstructured, you know, how is that? How are we being accountable to ourselves and where we want to be in five, 10 years' time? Maybe something like that. Or if you want a partner in future, um, are they going to take someone on that's been uh, dabbling in trading for 15 years and really not getting anywhere as a part-time job just to keep their head above water? You know, are we accountable to that future partner? Whatever works, I guess. When we can start to treat trading like and we start to begin thinking like a business, what it does, it it reframes our mindset to begin to think about our decision-making more from a business perspective, okay? To give you an example, every decision we make. Now, I know if you're a scalper, we're making quick decisions, of course, um, but it could be a session, you know, decision over a session, but... I try and think, is this decision I'm about to make, is this in the best interest of the trading business? So that helps me to remain a little bit more objective. What that does, it builds in that accountability to, you know, who am I accountable to? And also, importantly, am I being a good steward of my finances and my time? We have to think of time as well. Time is a commodity as well. So, you know, when you can start to begin to think like a business, it starts to mould and change your thinking to one of 
I'm part of this business. I'm part of this trading business. Um, yes. And talk about the, yeah, once you reframe your mind to think from a business perspective, every business has goals. You have a vision, mission, and goals. Does that apply to trading as well? Absolutely. So when you're trading, trading is a serious business. So any serious business has a it has a, a vision and a mission for that business, doesn't it? So that should be part of our thinking and it should be documented. A serious business has realistic and achievable goals. Now, they can be short-term goals, medium-term, long-term goals, but they need to be stated. They need to be, employees need to be aware of that. When you when we can treat trading as a serious business, what it does and the whole idea is to shift our mindset into one of a growth mindset. So what I try to do, um, what I try to do is create, and part of that is then to create rules of engagement where, as we said before about the employee and their job specification, I try to create rules of engagement which are pre-thought out if-then statements for every situation. So if this occurs, then I do this. And how do we do that? We do that through our trading plans. We do that through our daily routines. We do that through daily journals. We do that through our a psych, trading psychology plan. And we also do that through our honest performance review process. How do we do that? It's through our journals. Journals are an incredibly important part of, of what we need to do as a trader. And any business would do, they would have reviews, of course, wouldn't they? Maybe not journal, uh, but somebody would be taking, you know, meeting minutes. So taking minutes of those those meetings. So it's it's working towards treating treating our trading as a serious business. And of course, you know, one of those should be to start to document your trading business plan. We can which we can uh, discuss when you're when you're ready. Yeah. So you mentioned several plans. Um, you mentioned the word trading business plan, and then there's also the trading plan, and then also trading psychology plan. There's a lot of plans there. Um, what are the the differences between those three plans? Mm, absolutely. We're doing a lot of planning. So one of them, the business plan, we need to think it's a business plan for the trading for trading. So that's the that's the over that's the um I guess the umbrella document that the trading business operates under. That's different from a trading plan. A trading plan goes in the specifics of our trading, whereas the business plan is that overview document. And what it does, it creates the framework, the rules and guidelines from a business perspective that the trader needs to operate within. So from a business perspective, not those individual trading rules that we we work with, but it creates the the framework that the business can operate under. So what effectively this does is when you create a trading business plan, as I call it, as against trading plan, and the two shouldn't be combined, what it does, it documents our thoughts for the trading business. And in the process of documenting our thoughts for the trading business, it forces us to seriously think out what it is exactly we want from the trading business. So, 
and and this of course should be your trading business plan should be a fluid document it should evolve as the trading document sorry as the trading business evolves and a lot of people get sort of started and they don't know where to, they can't finish it that that's fine you need to make a start you can fill it out as you go as you go forward and as long as you make that initial start you don't need to have you don't need to have been in business you need to start putting down start documenting what it is that you want from the business how it needs to operate and it doesn't need to be a you know a war and peace novel it can be two to three pages long i mean my business plan my business plan is six pages that's it it doesn't need to be you know overarching and and if it is too long you'll never use it you'll never you'll never do it once you put it together of course too you need to revise it every 6 to 12 months to see whether it's still relevant number 1 still see whether you're working within those parameters so the trading business plan is an, is an important plan and then of course that guides of course the your trading plan so your trading plan comes under the trading business plan as a supplemental document, I guess we could call it. Then you may have your specific checklists, let's say, for example, and then you may have a trading cycle, or I suggest you should have a, you know, a plan for your psychology as well. Yeah, never heard of a trading psychology plan. What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So just as a trading plan, you know, where do I enter? Uh, where do I get out? How do I trail? You know, what are the setups that I use? It's dealing with the mechanics of trading, I guess. The it's dealing with the process of trading. But where does anybody deal with the emotional responses we're going to get on a daily basis? You know, you rarely hear this. So my suggestion and what I do is to to create a trading psychology plan where I can deal with things that come up with my psychology how do i how do i deal with it how do i what other resources do i use to deal with my trading psychology and it it as well doesn't need to be too long it needs to be maybe two to three pages as well mine's three pages um but it covers off you know what do i journal what are the things that i include in in journal how do i deal with when i get emotional responses what do i do what's my plan when i come up with a situation when i come up with a response how do i work through that so there's got to be a plan because when we're working as traders when we start to once we know our setups once we believe that we're skilled enough to jump into trading and just as a, a just as a sidebar here I often get asked, do you need a high level of technical analysis trading to be to be successful? The answer is no. You just need to be able to read a chart properly. Now, that will take time, but you don't need that level and that degree that I went to. Did it? Does it help me? Yes, absolutely. My bigger picture work, does it give me increased edge? Yes. But is it absolutely necessary? No, it's not. So then the real work comes and where the rubber hits the road is working on yourself. And I liken it to peeling layers off an onion. You peel one layer off and it exposes another five layers, of course. So you've got to have a plan to work through those layers, work through those issues, because otherwise 
once traders start to begin to trade, generally they will come up with easily five, eight, ten things that's wrong. So how do you work with that? That's where your trading psychology plan comes into comes into play, where you can work through it one or two at a time and get through it using a process that works. So, so I hope that that answers that one. Yes, for you too, sir. Mm-hmm. And um, in the business plan, what are some of the really key things about the business plan that many of us don't think about? Absolutely. So, yes, you need to have a, a plan for your business plan or a structure. You need to have topics. And as we said before, don't make it huge and overarching. That that just will, will tire you out. Don't get caught up in that trap. So some of the topics that should be covered, and these are the, the topics that are in mind. Number one, we need to have a vision or a mission statement for the trading business. So What's the desired long-term, now in regards to this, what's the desired long-term outcome for the business? What do we expect to achieve from the business? What do we want on a personal level? So this comes under our vision or our mission statement. So let me give you some examples. It could be a part-time supplemental income. This could be our vision. Um, It could be a satisfying and rewarding full-time role and full-time income. Or it could be providing finances for other pursuits or philanthropic reasons. So have a reason, have a why. So so that would come under our vision or our mission statement. Now, um, goals and objectives. So what are our goals in regards to utilising our talents and our strengths? What are our goals in regards to skills? Do you want to be a you know, a very skilled short-term trader? Do you want to be a very, you know, skilled technical analyst? Is that part of what it is? Now, just remember too, being a, you know, a, a qualified technical analyst and a and trader is two different things. You need to put both hats on at, at, at various stages or take one off and put the trader hat on. So it may be that you want to be very skilled at, at chart reading. You're able to do that and somebody else may trade on your behalf. You only find that day on the track, but that may be one of your skills. You need to state that. What are our goals in regards to processes? Do I want to be the process management king? Um, That should be a goal. What are our goals in regards to risk management? What are our goals in regards to investment of time? What are our goals in regards to our psychology? So that's goals and objectives. Another way of framing that, I suppose, is Let's consider it from a different angle. What would succeeding at trading mean to you? So what would it mean on a personal level? What would it mean on a financial level? What would it mean on a psychological level? So if you can answer those questions, that will help because what we're trying to do here is project forward where we want to be because there's an old saying, when we can um, when we can create that uh, that ideal situation, that ideal moment in time of what we what we want to have achieved, then what we focus on, we generally move towards. <clears throat> and as I said before, our brain then naturally, because we're problem solving, it will work ways to get around those obstacles and get what we want. So a lot of times with trading, it is only a matter of um, you know, putting in the time and the effort, if we want it hard enough, we'll figure out a way to make it happen. A lot of traders, and I know this is 
digressing a bit, a lot of traders simply don't make it because they can't last the learning curve or their finances run out. So I think one of the keys is to be realistic in, in terms of as long as it takes, realise where you're at on your journey, okay? Uh, I know it's a three to four year degree. I'm in year two, okay? So realistic in terms of where you're at. Otherwise, we all want it now. And of course, it's not going to trade. Trading success will happen when it's good and ready. So another thing we should be doing as part of our trading business plan is we need to assess the trading business from where it's at. Uh, in terms of uh, resources, our finances, our capital expenditure. Uh, you know, what are we? What's our time allowance now? What are our finances? Uh, what are we allowing for finances now? What's our level of education? What's our level in the future? Where do we want to be? In terms of capital expenditure, what are we? What are we invested now? You know, if we're if we're working off a ten-year-old laptop computer and we're working, you know, on the uh, somewhere noisy, you know, well, we're really, we're not serious about, you know, our capital expenditure, are you, are we? So, you know, what are our goals? If we don't have the finances, consider where we want to be. We want to have our own little quiet office. We want to have a decent setup with maybe, you know, two screens, something like that. So, you know, state where we want to, what we want to achieve, um, you know, assess our level of mentoring assess our current levels of skills, be honest with where you're at, um, be honest with where you want to be. And then, then that sort of leads into, of course, the uh, the SWOT analysis. For those that aren't as familiar with SWOT analysis, uh, explain real quick what that is and how that how can that help in your business, in your trading business plan? Mm, absolutely. So any business will, any good business will do, what is called a SWOT analysis, S-W-O-T. So that stands for what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses, what are the opportunities, and what are the threats to that particular business. So this is, once again, this is forcing us to now be realistic of, of you know, what, what is in, what's up against our business, but also what opportunities are there to our business. So when we look at each of these on its own, when we perform our SWOT analysis, we're really doing the SWOT analysis, number one on our, let's say on our business from a finance and resource um, capital expenditure point of view, but really we're doing a self-assessment SWOT, aren't we? So what we're doing is we're identifying, number one, the strengths of the business, as we said before, against our, you know, what computers we use, what um, uh, what programs, what skills, but more so when we conduct the SWOT analysis, it should be on our personality or our character and what can be used to the fullest extent. So what are our, what are our character strengths? Now, we just mentioned before, and I mentioned about myself, you know, very detailed, very analytical, very thorough. So my strengths will then come from planning out a trade. So when I can swing trade, I'm very good at, at planning the trade out. I'm very good at putting the analysis down, and I've learned not to overanalyze and get into that paralysis stage, but I'm very good at analyzing, picking up, you know, th those opportunities because I'm using my own, you know, my own natural skills, natural strengths. So that's important 
to do that from a potential trader's perspective. Another, let's give another example where the individual may be very good visually, may be able to make decisions very quickly, may be used to action, um, may be a good video video gamer. So what's going to be his strength? It's probably going to be that quick decision-making. So he's pro- he or she is probably going to be more suited to then shorter-term trading, aren't they? Because sitting down doing five, ten minutes of analysis on a particular market is going to bore them. So, so, so you know where I'm going here. <laughs> so that individual would be better scalping. Now, that is a different, takes a lot more time. And to give you, to give you a, a bit of an average, it takes about 18 months to three years for a swing trader to be consistent. Scalper, it's more like about three to five years. So as long as you're aware of that, if somebody is very good at gaming, then yes, they may be more suited to that shorter term type of trading. Not going to get into how you've discovered that. That's that's I've done workshops somewhere for that, which we can talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's part of identifying your strength. Uh, how we, you know, really comes down to trying. But but knowing for starters, this is how I'm wired. That can very much help, and that comes from your SWOT analysis. So so we've done the strengths. So then we need to do the weaknesses. So let's identify the weaknesses of the business. So what are the business weaknesses? Maybe not enough time, maybe not enough finances, maybe our setup is not quite as good as we'd like. And so they're the weaknesses of the business. Maybe our internet connection is not ideal. So they're the weaknesses of the business, but then we need to look at the weaknesses of our personality. So if you're impatient, Trading is going to just absolutely amplify that, okay? So think of, just remember this, that whatever our weaknesses are in terms of our personality, trading is going to absolutely amplify those to the point where they're going to basically stalk us at every turn. So you need to be mindful of that. What are the weaknesses? Yeah, I'm impatient. I can't hold a trade. Be aware of it. Be, you know, have have thought this out. So that when it occurs, then you'll know, okay, this is part of my personality weakness. Then identify the opportunities to the trading business. Um, If you're an FX trader and you're in London or uh, the US time slot, that's a great opportunity. That's a great time. Um, Or if you're here like I am in Australia, where we've probably got one of the, not, not an ideal time slot, however, London Open, US Open occurs maybe 5 p.m., 6 p.m., 7 p.m. onwards. So if you're an FX trader, that could be ideal because you can put that hour or so in after, you know, you get home. Um, so that could be that could be ideal. So that could be a good opportunity. Um, so that's the O. So we've done S, we've done W, we've done O. So the last thing is identify threats to the success of the business. What are your perceived threats to the success of the trading business. One of those could be running out of time, running out of finances. It could be lack of time, as we said, but it could also be black swan events. It could be other threats that could threaten the success of the business. You know, start to identify these and start 
start to document these? I think the SWOT analysis is really powerful. Um, I think also it's very hard to do, especially when we, you know, it's it's hard for for us to do a self-assessment because it forces us to really face some of the hard realities when we go through a SWOT. Even with, I have a business background, but I find that treating trading as a business in general is really hard to do. So I can imagine how hard it is for many, many traders. And so what do you think would be maybe some ways to overcome that kind of feeling um, that it's overwhelming or so daunting? I mean, what are some actionable steps that a trader can take uh, to feel like it's doable and they can take one step at a time. It's it's no use doing a SWOT analysis unless you're honest with yourself. Um, it can seem daunting and overwhelming. My advice to that is break it down into chunks. So chunk it down. So have sh- you know short term goals. Have medium term goals. Long term goals. Have a an action list. Any good. Any good business has a an action and a task list. Break that action list down into short-term, medium-term, long-term. In other words, you know, what is most urgent? What, you know, what is medium urgency and what, what can generally sort of wait? Break it down so that these are the things I need to get through, work through one at a time. Otherwise, you're correct. It can be overwhelming and it can be daunting when you think about it as a whole. What I find is when you've got a project or when you've got anything, break it down into workable steps. Work on one thing at a time. Do that thing properly. Do that particular task item properly until you've mastered it. Because with trading, if there's certain things that you haven't mastered along the way, it can often be those things that actually trip you up from being successful. So a lot of times you need to come back to that and say, all right, I haven't dealt with my journaling enough. That's what's tripping me up. I've got everything else right, but my journaling is bad or my statistics are bad. Learn to master each step as you go through. And it it can be um, daunting, but make a start. Um, remember that trading execution, placing the trade, is just one part of the trading business. There's a whole heap of other things that we need to be doing to make it successful. And I don't want to make it sound um, like this is just something that you've got to be exceptionally skilled or, or knowledgeable to do. And that's not it at all. I think the key to it is to make a start. Start to change your mindset, as we said before. Start to be accountable. Start to change your mindset. Work on one thing at a time. Start to start to put it in, in action. Start to document it. Start to put it into action. Start to change your thinking, start to, uh, and what that in turn will do is to start to make trading more important than the the hobby may be. Uh, I'm probably not putting that as succinctly as I should, as I can. It will start, trading will start to take a little bit of a different different importance, I guess, is what, what I'm trying to get at where this is serious. I'm putting serious time in. Um, you know, would we put, serious time into anything else 
to really not have gotten any gotten anywhere after three to four years. That's probably what I'm getting at. Um, and I think along the way as well, what's important is celebrate your successes as you do. Look back, celebrate your successes because I think after two to three years, if you can look back, certainly look back through your journals, you'll realise, well, hey, I've actually come a long way. Whereas it's easy for us to focus on the negatives without realising exactly how far we've come to give you an analogy for that too is if you're not doing your journaling or haven't looked for you through your trade journal for a couple of weeks and you've taken a bad loss and you've journaled and you think, oh, and you feel terrible, often when you look back and have a look at your equity curve, it's not as bad as you think it is. We always seem to flick to that worst case scenario. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think it's important that we're aware that as humans, we we just tend to focus on the negatives a lot, especially um, in this day and age, we um, there's just a lot of negativity, and we forget the positives and forget our wins, and and we have to be kind to ourselves and re- remind ourselves of our our um, you know accomplishments and wins, no matter how small. It's really important. It's also I feel it's very important too to to build that confidence. It's so important to have that confidence to keep you going um, and. So yeah, thanks for for reminding us to to you know look at our um, journals and you bring up journals a lot and I think that's really important and and um, something that you know have been a big part of a lot of traders that have um, become successful because of the journaling. So at what stage should we be thinking about treating trading as a business? Say for a, a beginner trader who's going into trading they're not thinking about this right now because it's, they're just trying to like learn and and you know trying to explore trading it's just like so much to think about i mean would it be more appropriate to um think about trading as a business maybe after a certain amount of time or are you saying that is this something we should like know right away that we should you know set up right away yeah, great question. And let's let's go back to the traditional business model or example. If we were looking at a business to buy, let's say, we would do our due diligence, we would do our research on that business. If we were serious about it, yes, we'd look into the particulars of it, but it wouldn't be until we'd actually purchased and then learnt about the workings of it until then, we'd start to put together a business plan for growth and whatnot. So anyone learning to trade and thinking about trading, no, I wouldn't put together the business plan until such time as the individual realizes that, yes, I like this, this is for me. I want to be I now want to be serious about it. I think too early on it's just going to bog some the individual down with unnecessary um, detail. Once somebody likes what likes trading, once somebody uh, has not not early success, that's probably not right. Um, but once they look into it and thinks that this is this is for me, this is something that I want to give a go, then I think you need to then have a plan as to how you work through it. I think being acknowledging. And part of that is to acknowledge and realize that you're trading 
trading is a serious business, serious financial commitment, but also realizing that to get successful at trading, and if you can do it early on, where we realize that this is three to four year degree, I enjoy this, I like this, I want to give this a serious go, then is the time. Otherwise, if you're just dabbling in it, you're just having a look at it, um, no, you're not going to want to do the, the plan for starters. It should only be when you really want to take this on and you're cognizant of how long it is going to take. And look, I wasn't as well. I didn't, I wasn't until I started to get into it. And I, I didn't have any mentors, you know, when I first started, I didn't know any. But once I realized that I wanted to be, that, that this was serious and I wanted to take this serious, that's when I started to put together my business plan and my trading plans and other journals and resources. But that wasn't until probably four years, five years into it. Um, after trading part-time for three years. Um, but I did have, in that early part-time, I did have a trading plan. I did have a checklist, so I did have some things. But, you know, I wasn't trading with sort of the money that I that I, I was trading with, you know, smaller accounts. They were still decent accounts, but not as much as when I went full-time. Yeah. Do you have another 15? Do you have another 15 minutes, maybe? I do. Regarding... PL. In a regular business, you would have like kind of your sales target or you know, revenues target. And you may even forecast that out five, 10 years down the road. If we were to treat trading as a business, how do we how does PL targets um fall into this? Because you know how uh yeah, because I, I asked this because you know how when Traders are learning to trade. The focus should be on the process and on, you know, building good habits, self-discipline and things like that. But if you're if you're to treat trading as a business, where does PL fall into this? Having monetary goals, PL goals early, I think is is set you up for unnecessary pressure. The focus should be on good process the focus should be on doing our job properly so if we think of it this way too money is a byproduct of me doing my job properly that can help to reframe it away from money having that focus on money um, is not going to be not going to be good early on the only time that i would start to put p l goals in place um, would be once there's a level of consistency where we can fall back on our statistics. And we know for the last three years, we've done 65% win rate, you know, a payoff ratio of 1.8 to 1 and a profit factor of, you know, 2.5. We've got our statistics. We can fall back on that. It's only a matter of just ramping up the risk, but uh, ramping up the risk gradually. But I think to do that too early until we've proven it, puts unnecessary pressure on you. The Within the first year when a student goes live, the focus should be on basically breaking even. If you've broken even in your first year trading full-time, you've done well. So the focus must be on doing your job properly. The focus must be on following your processes, following you know everything that's laid out in your trading plan, everything that's laid out for the business, following your daily routines. When you're doing that properly and thoroughly and disciplined, 
then you know you've got your methodology down, Pat, and you're um, you are performing your job properly. Only then really should you even be thinking about it. And when you do go live as well, now is the time when you'll start learning about your psychology because now you're going to get those emotional triggers from 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 having something on the line. So I always recommend that you go live with a small amount, risk a small amount to allow yourself to now get used to trading live, but to experience those emotional triggers that are going to happen because you've got money on the line. And trust me, they're, they're going to they're going to now occur. You'll get a, you'll be aware of these early on, but then they will be amplified when you do have money on the line. So what the last thing we want to do is to have these emotional responses so large from having big accounts that it's putting us to use, you know, to steal a, a, um, a saying from Mike Bellafury, it's putting us on tilt and we can't function. If you come out of the week and you've lost $30, $50, that's manageable. If you've come out of the week and you've lost two to 3000 that's difficult. Losing two to 3000 when you're making five to 10 the next week is fine, but you haven't worked up to that point. Give yourself the right to trade bigger. And how does that come? From being consistent with smaller money. Now, a lot of people say to me, well, look, I can't trade with, you know, risking $30, $20, $30 a trade. My response to that is if you can't make $50 a week, you're not going to make $500, you're not going to make $5,000. Mm, good point. So start small, allow yourself to experience the emotional responses that are going to come and start to work through those. And when you've got those under control and your equity curve should be now reflecting that, then only then should you be considering to gradually and incrementally increase risk. And then really you'll reach a tolerance where this is it, this is what I know, this is fine, I'm happy with this, but always be pushing the envelope in terms of risk. I've said it many times, follow the process and and the money will follow. Good advice. And do you think that there are traders that have been successful without treating trading as a business? And I personally think that they do treat it like a business to some degree, but but maybe they just don't call it as that. But uh, maybe there are some outliers. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, look, absolutely. There's always going to be those. There's always going to be the outliers. However, you've hit the nail on the head in terms of there's going to be some degree of, you know, this is a serious business. Um, otherwise, really, you are just almost have that gambler's mindset they they will be treating it to some degree in a business fashion, whether they've got a documented process or not. It will still be in the back of their mind in, ter- in thinking like a business. It's got to be. Um, some people might be able to not, not wing it. That's probably not the right word. Some people may just have a, a bit of a gift to be able to do that. Some people may have... Um, you know, money scripts that are that are that are lend themselves to be able to, you know, put serious risk on without having amplified responses, you know, to having money. Um, and some people might have the opposite, where you know, money is money is um, is actually going to trip them up um, because of 
yeah, their their monetary scripts. So I would recommend people have a look at that as well. Um, just analyze your thinking around money. Another thing is um, when people hear treating trading as a business, um, they may ask, does this mean, you know, like setting up um, your trading business like as a LLC or LTD and thinking about tax implications? Obviously, every region, every country is different, but is that should be something that's part of your trading business plan as well, I suppose? I think, yes. I mean, you you don't need to go to the extent of setting it up as a you know as a full blown sort of business, and I think initially you don't want to be adding additional moving parts such as you know having to do extensive business reporting etc for the you know for the for the tax man. I don't think that's advisable first, and you don't need to operate under a you know a, a big structure. I don't. Um, I don't need to. I you know my accountant has advised me accordingly um but i can still get you know some of the perks and things that i need to legitimately without going that that full extent uh so i think if you are serious about i mean if trading is your full-time income well yes there's going to be certain things that you need to follow but you don't need that level of detail i don't believe if you're employing others to trade with you and that sort of thing maybe but I would say keep it, you know, keep it simple initially. Keep it, don't, uh, unless there's huge tax advantages, I wouldn't suggest, uh, you know, make adding sort of too much detail. And look, each each country is going to be different in terms of their tax rules. So I think you need to be, I think at least you need to be aware of that and how trading can, uh, you know, what benefits there may be. I think if you're aware of that, that will help. Or simply ask your accountant, what can I, I'm trading, I'm trading seriously, what can I, I'm considering it as a uh, serious part-time business, what can I claim? Excuse the last interruption here. This is Tessa. We hope you're enjoying this episode so far. If you love the podcast, please give Chat with Traders the best review you can on whatever platform you're listening from. This will help us to keep the episodes coming. Also, if you haven't subscribed to our email list, please hop on to chatwithtraders.com and click on subscribe so we can keep you posted of information that may be of importance. Thank you. Now back to the chat with our guest. You covered a lot here and um, I've learned a lot and there are a lot of questions to ask ourselves. And, you know, I guess the biggest general takeaway that I got from this is by having a business perspective um, on trading, it shifts your mindset in a different way. It, It just does. It shifts your mindset to think about trading differently. Um, I wanted to ask, as we ask many of our guests on the show, what are your struggles, if you have any, that you're still working on in your current trading? Mm, absolutely. So so my current trading now to where it's at, and I should have touched on this earlier on, but I trade the, our Aussie stock market here. I'm in Australia, so I I swing trade our Aussie stock market, you know, when it's going the way that I need it. So I have market filters around that to swing trade. But I also intraday trade our Australian stock market. 
usually only up until lunchtime, and then I want to do things in the afternoon, go to the gym, do other things, uh, and I find that's when most of the liquidity is here. Unlike the US stock market that I've traded, I absolutely love that. The time slot doesn't suit me. It's too late. But so I intraday trade our Aussie stock market. What those two do give me, the swing trading gives a, a bit longer term sort of um, income generation. The intraday trading or scalping, you know, that's able to bring in, you know, monthly income, that sort of thing. So I love that. But because I'm not naturally wired for the the smaller style, that took me probably five to six years to get consistent at that, um, the intraday or the scalping. And I also swing trade and scalp the FX commodities and indexes, um, you know, time permitting. You can't do all of that at once. I still, you know, trading it for me is a lifestyle as well. So I don't want to be doing, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. So I've, I've limited my time. Um, so that's the style that I, that I do. So look, some of the, some of the current struggles that, that I have, um, probably maybe slightly impatient, but I'm catching myself. So, so more, um, a lot of them will stem from personality traits. And one of the, probably the biggest, which I know, and I've heard a lot of others say, Probably letting the trade run um, as much as we come up with our our plans and things. When you, especially when you're shorter term trading, because those emotional responses are so quick, it's catching myself when the trade is going against me to be objective in what it's actually doing. Now, you know we're talking one minute, two minute charts, so it's very fast and it's very quick. It's catching myself to when I'm being triggered and then overlaying and applying that thinking script to collapse that initial thought. And that usually probably the, the worst is probably, yes, is letting the trade run. You know, does that maybe come from, you know, back in the original times, you know, we're trying to get trading, having no other income, you know, trading with sort of scared money, probably, but I'm getting certainly getting, you know, a whole lot better with that. You know, a lot of experienced traders uh, and others that I speak to on a regular basis. That's one of the most common things, letting the trade run. But look, at the end of the day, when I look back and you do your reviews, um, you know, from for the majority of the time, getting as much out of the trade as to what's on offer, you know, I'm I'm thankful the times that I have actually cut uh, where it was, and and that first thought was right. Um, but probably more just stopping and catching myself um, from starting to cut the trade when it looks like it's maybe maybe run. Um, so that's that's one, and I think that's common. Also, letting too much of the trade go too early. Look, that that's you know that's kind of fear based. I know where that's come from. And I think that's sort of common as well. Uh, and there's ways around that as well. It's always better and easier when you've got a couple of wins under your belt early. <laughs> you know, when, we, when we've got a couple of trade, good trades, we tend to be, you know, the master of trade management. <laughs> Whereas when we haven't, we tend to want to bank that. So we've got something in the bank. Um, and that is a whole different thing. I think being aware of it, but 
look, I think a lot of that comes from, you know, I want to have lunch and I want to go to the gym and I don't want to be in this trade anymore. Uh, I think that's where it comes from as well, a lot of it. I'm aware of that. I don't want to be managing, babysitting this thing. You know, if it's done, it's move, and I've, you know, the momentum kind of looks like it's done. You know, I don't want to sit there and micromanage it. I'm done. I'm out. Um, yeah. Do I come back in the afternoon? Oh, I've left, you know, quite a bit on the table. Yes. Uh, but that's that's a function of me trading the hours and the times that I want. If I want to just trade for two hours in the morning. I need to just catch that momentum, move and be done and be satisfied with that. But there is always that I could have done slightly better. But you learn to you learn to deal with that. You learn to accept what you've had. And a lot of that comes from being critical of yourself as well, as we spoke about before. You know, your performance is always you try and be better and better and better. Um, but a lot of times you just need to accept that, hey, you know what, this is pretty good. You know, this I've done reasonably well. I need to be happy. And, yes, you always need to be um, trying to better yourself. You always need to be in the back of your mind, have your, your average win there so you can better that all the time without putting unnecessary pressure Um so it's it's that's just part of you know performance, isn't it? You're always trying to better yourself, always trying to better your average. That's all just part of it. So so that would be probably the worst one. Um, trying to let the you know trying to milk as much out of the trade as you can um, with the time that I've got. So I imagine that your trade life balance must be pretty good because you mentioned you you know you go to the gym and. You don't want to sit at the screen for for hours. I mean, what's your your trade life balance like these days? So it, it's taken me a while to work to it, and it's taken me a while to put all my tasks into the right routine so that they fit within that. But typically, yes, morning and up until twelve thirty, sort of PM at our, our time here, twelve thirty one. Um, that's kind of when I can function sort of better. Um, I find that I've got the most focus. I find that uh, that I'm keen. I'm, I'm I'm a bit more fired up, I suppose, to be able to do it. And then I like to. And I mean, look, when you when you're scalping, you know, reasonably intensely too, you can't, you know, you can't do it for long periods of time. You need those breaks. So for me, having that big break is is good. Um, if there's any trades that I do have open and I've removed seventy five percent, and I think this is a good entry, then that might uh, I might hang on to that as a as a swing trade. But I would journal it separately, just has a better entry. Um, those I monitor at the end of the day, which is about three three forty five. So I make sure I'm back here at three forty five p.m. for our market close, um, and then. You know, kind of after after um, dinner, uh, and and sort of from then on, I'm free to do sort of what I need. I do a little bit of work. I do my journals, uh, but I journal throughout you know throughout the morning as well. Um, you know, review that, set it up for the next day. Uh, you know, do some do some scans for the next day in terms of swings. But look, I've I've worked it into a lifestyle, um, so. Um, and that was one of my goals, was a lifestyle goal. And, you know, being able to work it into that. Um, I like to do other things with my time as well. Um, so it has sort of worked into what I want, my overall plan. But it's taken time to get there. Um, 
but keeping that plan in mind is 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 important and you know I love to share what I what I do I love to teach and train I've mentored for about eight years as well so I love to do that but I only take a sort of a handful at a time it's not but I'll do that in the afternoon as well if I don't go to the gym if it's my day off I'll do that you know 2 p.m 3 p.m my time um yeah so so I've worked it in with what I want but you know it's taken time to get to that but you know, it's it's I you know I love what I do. I I did enjoy my previous job, and did enjoy the challenge. But I absolutely love what I do now. And I think that's part of it as well. You need to have a passion for what you do, otherwise you'll just lose interest. Or if it's monetary goals, you want to buy the next Mercedes. If you don't get it in six months, you'll just fall away. So you need to have valid reasons for doing what you're doing, not just fine, not just financial reasons. Yeah. Now, if you knew 16 years ago, 15, 16 years ago, how much work it takes, how much the roller coaster of trading is, uh, would you do it again, honestly? Look, I would. Um, if I had known now what I, if I had known then what I know now, I would have probably done it slightly differently. Um, look, a lot of the mistakes I made early on actually were good to get those out of the way early on. And it's the old saying, when you can make those mistakes early on, and especially, you know, having that early success and then, you know, getting the global financial crisis early on and get that out of the way, it, it now makes you more aware of that in the future and protect yourself from that. Whereas if you've been trading for 10 years successfully and then you hit something like that, unless you're prepared um, it, it's going to, you know, there's a chance that it could blindside you, especially if you're a swing trader and you don't know how to sort of cut out and have a market filter. Um, but yes, look, I probably would have done it differently. I would have had a mentor. I could have maybe cut the, you know, the time to get consistent down. Absolutely. Um, but I didn't know any back then. I didn't know any, uh, I knew the importance. Um, absolutely. Um, you know, I spent, spent money on formal education, uh, and that you know that has served me well, but I think also to being aware, being more aware early on of my psychology would have helped me to be more aware of it as it was occurring, and having a plan in place when it did occur would have helped me get through those uh, and and master my psychology earlier. That's probably the biggest thing. But you know um, that's. But it's it's hard to um, master your psychology earlier, especially in the earlier stage in your tra uh, trading, because that doesn't come until later. You don't realize those things until you go through the you know the roller coasters. Because in the beginning, you are just learning to trade, right? You you haven't had to deal with psychology yet until until you start losing a lot of money and getting whipsawed. True. The thing that I would say too, and it does work, is when you start to know about it, when you've studied it, and, and often people have said, and you hear this from, from the market wizards and that, they should have been learning about psychology first. Um, no, it won't make as much, it won't have as much impact or it might, won't make sense at the time. But when it starts to occur, now you can fall back on, ah, that's what it meant when I read that. That's what it meant. So when that occurs to you, you now know what to do. You're not blindsided by that emotion. You've got a plan in place, and this is what I teach as well. When 
So when we've got these routines down, Pat, they're to protect us when we do have these responses. So when it occurs, we now know what to do. It's a matter of just following through and knowing knowing then how to do it. No, it won't make sense at the time, but when it occurs, it's in the back of your mind, ah, this is what we were talking about. Okay, I now know how to deal with it. You're absolutely right, though. You won't know the importance of it until it occurs, but knowing early on, and trust me, even early on, even in back-testing phases, you'll get a bit of an inkling and you'll get a bit of a um, snapshot as to what is affecting you. Um, and there's only a couple of root, root causes, but they manifest themselves in different ways. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Mark, for coming onto the show and um, helping us to um, see trading from a business perspective, something I feel that is um, very much underrated. And uh, I, I really believe that today you uh, help to break that topic down a lot more for us to actually understand more of what that means. Um, so for those who want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Thanks. Thanks, Jess. So, yes, look, it's been great. It's it's always good to, to um, I guess, learn from others' mistakes. And uh, I mean, that's always my hope that, you know, if you can take one thing away from this, then then I think it's been worthwhile. So no, it's been great. And look, too, there is a, um, to get in contact with me, there is a, um, I've done a workshop on treating trading as a business. You can find that and you can contact me at the Chat with Traders community. So you can find the workshops on there. Um, and you can also contact me through there. Um, I do, I don't have a big presence. I don't use Twitter. I don't use a lot of social media. I tend to just be a little bit sort of more private. But I do have a website for mentoring. Um, and that is www.integritytrading or one word. So integritytrading.com.au. That gives you a bit of an outline as to some of the mentoring that I do. I enjoy that side of it. Uh, and the email address for that site is info at integritytrading.com.au. So they're probably the best two ways. Um, but a couple of other workshops I've done, a chat with traders community there as well. Um, for those that are, are a little bit newer, um, you know, a good one is the Traders Roadmap to Success. They outlines these steps. So I recommend that you go and check that out. But yep, as I said before, there is the whole trading business plan in detail. So workshop there as well. So that's a bit more detail on today's discussion. So thank you, Tessa. It's been been great. Yeah, thank you for coming on to the show. Thanks for your time. And we will stay connected. Sounds good. Appreciate it. You've reached the end of this episode of Chat with Traders, but rest assured there are more episodes loaded with real market insight and zero hype on the way soon. So to stay updated with each great new release, subscribe to the podcast and iTunes, and we'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next time on Chat with Traders.